Hey, what's been what's been going on with you? Any, anything new? Uh, not a lot. <laughs> you know me. Status quo. Yeah, steady, steady, steady. Nothing. Changing. So I have four streaming titles to talk about this week. Uh, I think I actually saw five things, but one of them can probably be dispensed with quickly. Okay. We may have seen the same four or five. I, don't I know. think we did. I think we did. All right. I've got um, The Five Bloods, King of Staten mm-hmm. Island, mm-hmm. Shirley, The yep. Lovebirds, yep. and Good Boy. And Good Boy. <laughs> should, we, should we dispense with Good Boy first? Yeah. Um, uh, I can't even find any information on it. And hey, it's it's a it's a very what's the, I want to say expectable. What's the word that is expectable? It's what's predictable. 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 It is a formulaic TV horror movie. Yeah. Yeah, very much like these Into the Dark. Some are better, some are worse. Judy Greer is a treasure. I she's great. I she's love her. Such a good actress. She can just she should elevate the worst material. Can you imagine this with a lesser actress? Oh no! Oh, oh no. hard! It was hard enough to watch as it was. Yeah. So here's so this this woman is lonely and she wants to have a baby, but she's getting a little older, so she's uh, looking into fertility treatments. And meanwhile, she decides, oh, I'll just get a dog because maybe that will offer me some companionship. And she gets this dog that seems like a sweet dog, except for when it viciously kills her enemies. And when it happens the first time, it could be a coincidence. And the dog was just present when a person was, I guess, hit by a car in a hit and run. But later it becomes very clear that the dog is responsible. And instead of being horrified and alerting the authorities and euthanizing the dog, she decides to cover for the dog and then becomes a sociopath herself. And that's what became so unbelievable to me. I guess there wouldn't have been a movie if that didn't happen, but it made me begin to think, Oh, is this is she projecting onto the dog murders that she is committing herself but cannot yeah. seem to come to realize? Right. No, that's not what's happening. It's not what's right. happening. Just this dog is vicious. Right. Horrible, horrible. <laughs> and you know what right. I enjoyed? I enjoyed when the guy who was the cop and her boyfriend said, Oh, what about the big dog? Where's the big dog that you have? Right. I thought, oh, is that the big reveal that this right. whole time that there's been this brutal cujo that she has just right. ignored? psychologically and no it's just this little dog who i guess becomes like a werewolf and a killer and why what's his they never sell the physicality of the dog as a killer right no not at all you just sort of go with it though and it's just watching i guess it's like any slasher movie just watching people for very little reason getting torn apart in awful ways and the the protagonist just sort of ends up going along with it and being a murderer I don't get her character's journey. And again, no. she, Greer completely elevates awful material. She's so watchable and so charming. Um, but I don't get why give her the tragic circumstance of the fertility when how, you can make somebody neurotic or anx- have anxiety without that being at the root. That doesn't go anywhere. She's not having the dog as a substitute for a child, I don't think. She's having it to no. deal with the anxiety. And then it's it, this this dog is so attuned to the anxiety that it will go to extremes to relieve her anxiety to the point of killing Steve Gutenberg. Right. Um, the only thing the only thing that I could come up with was that the doctor gave that disclaimer that when she's receiving the treatment that she needs for right. harvesting her eggs, she might have some psychological side effects. But that Which could have been anything. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
they could have had any issue that she'd need to take a treatment. That any medication, her, yeah, yeah. Right. Why does she need to be looking into fertility? That, that really had nothing I mean, to do with the movie. Right. Uh, it just made for a very in the middle of all the dumb intrigue of the of the third act. It made for a strange scene where she finally had to, you know, uh, reveal that to her boy, her boy, her cop boyfriend detective who was on her case, who was black. Anyway, yes. I mean, what was that choice? Anyway, That's very intentional. Yeah. In in Hollywood, to me, where there are no right. accidents about how things are cast. Right. I thought this whole movie had a vibe of like. Tim Burton before he all before CGI took over his movies and spectacle took over like of a more like eighties or nineties Tim Burton small mm-hmm. even the look of the dog and I don't mean any of this as a compliment I think no. this feels like a very over like very overly whimsical and just not doesn't nothing human about it connects nothing uh, it's a very superficial and weird uh, yeah I, I don't know that I really have more to say I, I felt like people were so one dimensional who got killed and who's yeah. not in a slasher movie, but that right. first guy who she goes on a date with, he seems so, you know, nice enough until you find out he's terrible, right? Just terrible. goes from being fine to terrible. The landlady, she's just terrible, right. you know, in the end. And like her boss, awful, terrible. Like I, I just, there, there was no gray or but real life. In your traditional, like, I don't know, Faustian story or whatever, the the monster that kills people on your behalf knows what it's doing. Like Audrey in Little Shop of Horrors, Audrey 2, knows exactly what he's doing, right? Like this dog senses right. her anxiety and then murders people. <laughs> right. It's and almost you... as if she has some power that she can't control, that when she experiences emotional upheaval, it lashes out without yeah. her knowledge and the dog is like a tool of that in this story right but that doesn't make any sense because she has no psychic connection with this dog right and in the first instance with that real estate dude she's in the bathroom discovering the depths of his depravity as he's being killed by the dog <laughs> so right. there's not even a real like trajectory wouldn't there, she be know. horrified wouldn't you know instead of good boy right. you know like right. i wish it had been one way or the other if all of a sudden she would have developed like a psychic connection with the dog and the dog right. goes crazy and kills and she's like into it. And then right. she's like, Oh, what did you do? Like when she comes back to reality, right. I don't know why I'll I would put her in a situation better. where her life is threatened and she figures out how to, you know, man- manipulate the dog and then yeah. she becomes like addicted to it or whatever. Right. The because her. her life was not even threatened. The first kill, you know, yeah. it wasn't like she needed to be saved from that man. She was, fine and she was leaving he was a jerk that date did not go well she was trying to find her dog why not have it be that he would not take no for no and the dog takes over and attacks yeah right how about that yeah it's not great it's not very good uh judy greer should star in more things and they should be better than this good boy bad movie yeah it's a good headline for a review (laughs) mm-hmm it feels so long since I saw these. It feels so long since I saw Shirley. I only have like vague impressions. Uh, That's all but... it left behind. True. Should it's we talk really about awesome. Shirley next? Yeah, sure. All right. It's yeah. American biographical drama film. And it stars, of course, Elizabeth Moss. And I guess she's playing a real person. I know nothing about literature. Shirley oh, Jackson yeah, Shirley is Jackson. a, a, is a novelist. Okay. Yeah. Excuse me. We have always lived in the castle. 
Okay, well, I shouldn't be the one to describe this one then. Um, I didn't. Here's my central issue with this. You know, I'll take a step back. Let's have a plot here. So Moss is married to Michael Stolbarg, who is a college professor, and she has all sorts of personal issues and social anxiety, and I'm not sure how she was diagnosed or not. But a young professor and his young wife come to the college and the wife kind of becomes Shirley's caretaker, not totally her choosing. And Shirley sort of toys with her and provokes her, but ultimately they have this bond. And uh, it's not like anything about it was bad. It was like a little bit of who's, a, who's afraid of Virginia Woolf is kind of what it reminded me of. But Shirley isn't the center of the story. That was my issue with it. I felt like it was mostly about um, Odessa Young as the young wife coming into her own and that um, Stolberg and Moss are kind of peripheral and part of her awakening and they kind of provoke her into being who she needs to be. Yeah. So I really, really like this movie a lot. And I'm not a great literary scholar, but I think I had like a couple more uh, like tidbits in my head going into it. So I know who Shirley Jackson is vaguely. I remember reading the lottery and she's kind of, you know, a a weird personality and a woman writing horror stories at a time when that was provocative and, and newsworthy. And she was just a notable person. I also knew going in that the young couple, um, Odessa Young and Logan Lehman, Lerman as Rose and Fred, that they are fictional people. This is not a real story. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really like a dramatic exploration of the process of writing the Shirley Jackson's process of mm-hmm. becoming obsessed with this, this missing girl. And so that helped me right away to just kind of not get invested in the young couple as a real plot element. Mm-hmm. And that saved me some frustration, I think, um later in the in the story so i don't claim that i get it i don't get all of it i don't know what's real and what's not i don't know what then you know i don't know if if it's elements uh if if shirley sees uh rose as an alternate version of her younger self if she's a manifestation of her i don't know (laughs) but i really enjoyed i like abstract biography as opposed to really contrived and like bullet point biography of like, and then she did this and then she did this. And then there was a triumphant moment in a courtroom or then, you know, whatever. I like that this is trying to explore just a, a cross section of a moment in Shirley Jackson's life. Uh, And I also like the way that it portrays academics, even though this movie is bonkers and has like real operatic histrionic, like crescendos. There's also moments of kind of like just everyday life even with the bizarre relationship she has with Stuhlbarg, their strange marriage, there's still mo- weird moments of affection and humor and mundanity that I don't know. I, I just, I, I think I like the actors enough that I, I kind of soaked it in, but I, I didn't come away feeling like, wow, that really nailed it. And I really understand what it was saying. I just enjoyed watching it. And I wish that I had seen it in a theater because it had really lush uh, visuals. Oh yeah. It was great to look at. I like what they were going for. Like you say, like it's not like a linear biopic, but it's trying to give you an essence of 
a moment in her life and give you a feel for who she was. Um, I, I didn't, I didn't like her. I didn't like the character of Shirley. I didn't mm-hmm. like um, her husband. I didn't quite get what, why he was such a, such a blowhard and so overwrought and brought the histrionics all the time. Like their, their relationship was so, was so volatile and, and sick yet it seemed to work for them. I, yeah. I, it was hard for me to, to hold that. And they didn't seem like real people to me. Like I, um, I know that they're they're both great actors, and so the choices they were making were curious. I was like, "Oh, skilled actors thought it should be done like this, huh?" Right, right. You know, and yeah. um, maybe they're doing something new that I'm just not used to. And it was mm-hmm. like not like I didn't enjoy it at all. Like I, I, I was intrigued by it. Yeah, and I, I felt like I was watching something great actually, but which was a little bit above my station like you know i really liked it and i and i appeal it uh, i admired it and i felt like this is probably one of the better movies this year i it's just not completely accessible to me yeah if i were more educated in literature i probably would have seen more in it clearly it's very studied and and highbrow oh madeline's madeline is the previous film by this these filmmakers the director that makes uh, Joseph sense. Decker. I've not seen that one. Did you see that? Oh, I mean, if you must. <laughs> really? If you had known that going in, would you have had an even worse attitude? <laughs> yeah, I would have had a worse attitude. I I I loathed my experience watching Madeline's Madeline. Wow. Uh anyway, yeah. So that was uh that was Shirley. I think the performances are fantastic. I think it looks great. If you like weird movies and strange biopics, and if hey, if you know a whole lot about Shirley Jackson and will maybe get a movie that rolls around in her psyche, then go for it. I think it's an interesting piece of work. Um, do I get to talk about King of Staten Island now? You sure do. All right. Okay, so I paid the $20, the insane $20 rental fee <laughs> to see the King of Staten Island. And you did too. I'm I'm I impressed sure and, and amazed. Uh to see the King of Staten Island because I wanted to see something new because I have a weird allegiance to Judd Apatow. Um, even when his movies are not successful, I always, there's something I like about the way that he makes movies. I, I, I like that his movies are long and meandering and he has interesting people in them and he portrays life in an interesting way. He, uh, the stuff that goes on in the corners of his movies, I think are, are interesting, even if maybe the main stuff isn't. And that applies a lot to this movie. So the King of Staten Island is a 2020 comedy drama film starring Pete Davidson of Saturday Night Live. It's kind of a fictionalized account of his growing up in his uh, situation on Staten Island, but it imagines that he didn't get into comedy and just kind of remained a uh, a bum around, sitting around his mom's house. Pete Davidson's uh, father in real life was a fireman who died on 9-11. And in the film, he his fictional father died in a hotel fire. And so he's got a real chip on his shoulder about firemen. His mother, played by uh, the amazing Marissa Tomei, uh, begins dating a fireman, played by Bill Burr, who is, I think, fantastic in this movie. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's a real problem for him. So he kind of, you know, it's it's weird. More, I mean, this happens more and more. This is the Apatow thing, but this movie really does oscillate between uh, the wacky comedy of the two men who don't like each other. And uh, and into the real drama of that and the real kind of underlying emotional issues of Pete Davidson. Uh, this movie also features 
uh, Belle Powley as his kind of secret girlfriend, childhood friend, Kelsey. Uh, Maud Apatow, who is in um, uh, all of her dad's movies and has grown up into, I think, quite an interesting actress of, in her own right, plays his sister, Claire. Steve Buscemi is in the film. Anyway, Dan, this is a Judd Apatow movie about Pete Davidson. And I got to say, I try really hard not to join the pile on with Pete Davidson. Uh, a lot of people really hate him and the fact that he exists in professional comedy. I do not hate him. I don't know that I get him. And I have to say, after watching this movie and trying really hard, I like most of the non-Pete Davidson stuff in this movie. I feel like maybe I understand him a little bit better, but this did not make me like fall in love with Pete Davidson. <laughs> I find it a little hard to care about him. Uh, I don't know. He rubs me the wrong way, even though I don't want him to. <laughs> I want to be generous. But uh, I don't know. I this I got to stop saying I don't know and running around in circles. I thought this movie had some fun stuff in it, and I enjoyed watching it. I didn't love it. How did you feel? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, Apatow sometimes is overlong to me and mm-hmm. uh, unnecessarily gross out. I didn't feel that with this. I felt like there was a little more heart. I liked uh, the characters more than I usually do in his movies. Um, I like Pete Davidson okay. I, I'm a SNL stan. I continue to watch no matter what. And so I, so maybe I have that um, background of sort of kind of getting what Pete Davidson's about, even if he doesn't really do it for me. He's, you know, not, not my favorite. Um, and I wonder if he and I share some issues because I think the way that he is terrible to people and makes them crazy, I wonder if I kind of do that to people in my life sometimes too, where... I've experienced this bad thing that happened. And because of that, I've got to be all dismal in a wet blanket and uh, really expect a lot of other people while not giving them anything back. I'm a little more sympathetic toward that, even when it's inexcusable in a 24 year old, let alone a 39 year old. (laughs) Um, But I, I loved the setting. Like I've been away from New York for like 10 years now. And just like the Staten Island person, I, I like missed that. Like it made me smile. I yeah. Belle Powley needs her own movie. I thought she was mm-hmm. great. I, I thought she she just had this charisma, and she was hilarious. And there was such a truth to what she was bringing. She wasn't just like a stereotype. I felt like she, there was some real emotional stuff there. Bill Burr. I was trying to figure out how I recognized them, and I guess it's from Breaking Bad. I don't know because hmm. he had a, yeah. a story arc there um, that I barely remember. For He's also second. a very famous stand-up comedian. Yeah, but I wouldn't. I don't know from that. Like, I he you know who he reminded me of was um, Joe Pantoliano. Is that how you say? Yeah, him? yeah. Um, Similar energy. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess I sort of thought it was him for a hot second, and then I was like, no, he's way too old for to be this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, this guy's younger. I mean, and yeah, because yeah, I feel like a lot of times there's like the main person in one of these movies, and then everybody else is just a farce. And I felt like the right. the rest of the cast all all read very true to me. And even though there was a lot of unnecessary stuff that happened, there always is. It's always too long. Um, I enjoyed the journey. I laughed. I I liked it a lot. Oh, great. It's very interesting to me that this this stage of Judd Apatow's career it used to be what aspect of manhood or family or marriage is he going to make a movie about now Mm -hmm. it is what weird comedian is he going to do a project with Mm. uh and i watched his show crashing on hbo 
which is basically a, a, a you know fictional autobiography of of uh, Pete Holmes. And um, another person who maybe not interesting enough to have his own show, but it was a it was a good show. It was a Judd Apatow show, so it had depth to it. I also just like in that case he was actually they were exploring the the comedy the New York comedy scene and and you know slightly realistic uh, backstage intrigue about that so i enjoyed that aspect of it uh and also in the, in terms of pete davidson he's got a lot of prominent people going to bat for him he's got judd apatow making a film uh, right. with him about him and he's got john mulaney who seems to be willing to really put himself on the line for him so there's gonna be something compelling about him as a as a person and a friend i would imagine yeah it'll be interesting to see where he goes like i thought the opening scene i couldn't take him seriously you know, yeah, even yeah. though I'm sure he himself has had personal demons and those moments of despair and behind the wheel. And, you know, <laughs> I don't care what happens to sort of see Pete Davidson in that serious moment before going on a journey with him. And the movie seemed a little silly. Yeah, um, it, had, it hadn't earned that moment. No, it had not like a, uh, what is it? Chad, is that his character? Right. It felt, it felt like, like Chad. It felt like Chad. And was he involved in that wreck or he just kind of caused it? I couldn't right. get my bearings. Know, yeah. Did he drive away from a traffic accident he was involved in? Yeah, I think he um was I think he swerved impact. causing someone else to swerve which then caused the accident. I see. Cuz I was like he was untouched. If he was one of the cars involved in the ac- actually in the accident, like he wouldn't have gotten away with that. Like right. there was like a police stop there. I wasn't sure what happened. Right. Yeah, I don't I don't remember specifically, but yeah, it felt like weird that he just that never came up again. Right. Uh yeah, so there's that. Worth a watch. I not worth twenty dollars, I would say. No, Wait not. till it's streaming somewhere, you know. But uh maybe pay five bucks when it's that much, mm-hmm. or maybe catch it on Netflix or whatever. So uh Yeah, that's a movie that I would watch again if I saw it on. I would yeah. like, yeah, I'll, I'll watch this. I really like funny people. A lot of people huh. name that as the uh well, I, mean, I think this is forty was more of the breaking point for a lot of people with Apatel. Yeah. But a lot of people didn't appreciate funny people, and I love funny people. I should rewatch that sometime because I remember watching it and not liking it at the time, but a lot of time has passed and I wonder what I'd think of it today. It is indulgent. It is like you have to be interested in these comedians to want to see them, you know, but I think it might have been ahead of its time in terms of Adam Sandler doing a semi-dramatic twist on himself. Right. Uh, and then all the themes of of, of grief and, and loss and, and whatever. Uh, yeah, it's been a while for me too, but I just remember... Uh, really noticing the filmmaking in that one more than than most of the others. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? Well, we got the Five Bloods. I feel like that's the big conversation this week. Oh, there's Lovebirds. Let's get Lovebirds. Uh, sure, <laughs> taking care of them. Twenty twenty American romantic comedy directed by Michael Showalter. Um, and it stars Issa Rae and Kumail Nanjiani as a hapless couple who are at the breaking point after a relationship that has kind of run its course over a few years. And just at the moment they decide that they are not what the other needs, they, what, run over or hit a bicycle messenger? And then someone else jumps in the car claiming to be a cop. They're chasing him. This person clearly is not a cop, runs over this person, and then absconds leaving them to appear that they have killed this person and they are on the run and they don't know what to do. And they kind of need to come together as a couple and work out their issues while they go on this sort of detective story 
all around the city trying to figure out who the actual murderer of this person was. Um, I'll lay my cards on the table. I think I'm just not good at movies anymore, and I like lowest common denominator for the average crowd because I really enjoyed this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and sure. I, I just for what it, for what it was trying to be, I enjoyed it. It's ridiculous. I right. laughed at the jokes. I liked both the stars. I it, it was too easily sewn up at the end after these two had committed many crimes that they'd just be off right. scot free. And uh, I don't think it's giving anything away that they seem like they're going to be back on track at the end of this. Um, so that's all ridiculous. But the the journey that we go on and the ride and the jokes and the, and the two leads made it worth it for me. Yeah, they are the, they're the reason to watch it for sure. Um, not a, not a couple I would have put together in a, in a movie, a kind of a surprise match, but great. He's, he's great. He's always, uh, funny and in, in inherently likable. Um, uh, you root for him just automatically and she is amazing. Um, yeah. She's just a, like a, a, a stunning human being and an amazing presence on camera. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, the, and and they're funny together. I think, see, when I saw after the fact that Michael Showalter um, directed it, I was not shocked. He's he's a comedian. He was on The State on MTV back in the 90s, mm-hmm. and he's directed some he's directed some good movies. He directed The Big Sick with Kumail Nanjiani. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that one worked because it was grounded in a autobiographical story. It did not you know, go off into, into cuckoo land with police chases and stuff. And I think that's the stuff that lost me in this movie. It's just so dumb. It was trying to be like a, um, game night, you know, kind of a, of a chase action, uh, heist movie or whatever. And that stuff to me was just too, too silly and like TV comedy level dumb, uh, I was always interested enough because of, of the leads. I don't feel like the, the, the story and the mystery and the, I never, it never felt like it took itself seriously enough for me to care. So I didn't mind spending 90 minutes in that world. There were some laughs and again, the leads are charismatic and the reason to watch the movie. So yeah. um, Yeah. It's it's good hearted. I felt like, like game night was mean spirited. I didn't like game night for that reason. I thought this was, this was warm. Yeah. This definitely has a, uh, a goofy positivity to it. Yeah. All right. The five bloods, the, uh, a 2020 adventure drama war film, according to IMDb directed by Spike Lee written, uh, by Danny Bilson, Paul DeMeo and Lee, I think perhaps someone else involved. Uh, another one, Ke- Kevin Wilmot. This is Spike Lee's, uh, epically big and loud and long, uh, Vietnam vet movie about four uh, bloods by their own declaration, four friends who uh, are black men who were in the same unit and were uh, fast friends and brothers and bloods in the Vietnam War, uh, along with a fifth member of their group who is played in flashbacks by Chadwick Boseman, Stormin Norman. And uh, essentially these aging uh, gentlemen return to Vietnam to uh, outwardly it's about finding the remains of their long lost brother the fifth blood to give him a proper burial and do right by him on behalf of his family but they also want to find the uh, giant bars of CIA gold that they found and buried and along the way they uh, meet some 
some French volunteers who are uh, trying to find and, and deactivate mines and the son of, uh, well, I haven't, I haven't talked about the, the, the four actors yet. Sorry. Delroy Lindo uh, completely <laughs> stuns as Paul yeah. who suffered the, he suffers P- PTSD. He has had the hardest time adjusting after the uh, war. He is a, uh, he wears a MAGA hat. <laughs> He's a Trump voting uh, black Vietnam vet. And uh, he just, his performance is remarkable, as is that of Clark Peters as Otis. Norm Lewis, who I didn't realize till way late in the game, is uh, West End Javert. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's a big Broadway actor. He's one of my favorites for going back to the 90s. Yeah. Incredible. And he plays Eddie. And then Isaiah Whitlock Jr. is Melvin. Uh, a very interesting choice to have these guys play themselves to play their characters in the flashbacks at jarring at first, because there's not really a whole lot of attempt to make them look younger. There's no digital de-aging, but you just kind of go with it. And I think it's the, the, it's the spiritual continuity that it gives the movie that I think maybe is worth it. Oh, I think uh, it was a, a fantastic choice because we wouldn't have been able to follow who was who if they tried to cast it with younger actors it helped you understand who was who in the flashback. And I think that there's a part of who they are today that that has a continuity to what they experienced back there. That to me, it's more than just the ease of, oh, let's just have the actors play themselves. There's, right. to me, it's sending a, a pretty profound message. Yeah. And the only other element of plot and cast that I will mention is Jonathan Majors from Last Black Man in San Francisco as David, the son of Paul Delroy Lindo's character, who joins them on the uh, expedition at the last minute and um, adds to some of the insanity and, and drama and and madness that ensues. Um, this is a Spike Lee movie. Uh, I One of the things I love about Spike Lee is that he makes every movie as if it's going to be his last chance to say something. Um, yeah. And he doesn't compromise anything. And there's an urgency. And he's been doing that since he was young, since Do the Right Thing, which, you know, he might have actually thought this might be my last chance to say something. Here it is, you know, generation later, and he is an elder statesman. He's an Oscar winner. I feel like he's going to have another film. Um, I look forward to it. But this movie has an urgency. It's so now, it's so urgent, it's so um, tragically relevant. It throws everything it can at you. <laughs> It in style, it is uncompromising. Some of the things are so over the top. There's a score during some of the war scenes that I thought was just so cartoonishly uh, dramatic. Um, he incorporates real life footage, famous old disturbing Vietnam War footage, political footage. He just has something to say and is going to say it. And overall, this movie just had me howling and horrified and cheering and i i loved it it's rough around the edges like all his movies are but boy you get entertained and preached to at the same time in a delightful way yeah i mean it goes without saying like you're you're sitting here with an auteur and you're in such capable hands that he can break all sorts of conventional rules and you just go with it and you're not worried and you're not questioning it or at least i wasn't I, I just enjoyed watching Spike Lee make this art with such a great cast and such a wonderful group of craftspeople. And I want to hear what he has to say in the way that he has to say it, you know, and it's, right. 
and it's not all speaking to me. I, I get that it's not all for me. I think that he's bringing up a really complex sociological um, happening phenomena of the way that um, black people have been exploited in war, you know, throughout our history, but particularly as it uh, relates to our current political milieu, what happened in Vietnam that would make a black person who was mistreated and now has PTSD into someone who would be drawn to someone like Donald Trump? What was that about? And I think that that's something that um, a white guy like me can't begin to penetrate. But he yeah. he is he's seeing something up close and he has something to say about it that I think is uh, profound and and other people um, in the mainstream film conversation I, I haven't heard that point of view right I is another one of those things kind of like the Irishman I think I enjoyed this more than the Irishman but where I felt like how lucky am I that this film got made and is just sitting here on Netflix and I can sit on my couch and and watch it. I, I'm just glad that Spike Lee continues to get the resources to to uh, make movies because yeah. I like watching them. Yeah, I feel yeah, like then, it's, yeah, it's, it's it's like there's so much to say that there's so little to say. You know, it's right. It, yeah. It's it's so good and a commentary more astute than ours. You know, will abound on this on this movie. Right, and I hope that it becomes part of uh, cultural conversation, right. just as and unlike films do other movies we talk about where I frequently have to struggle and opine about the thematic material and, and what, you know, was saying what we think it was trying to say, you know, you don't come away from a Spike Lee movie Mm-mm. postulating about what it was trying to say. It's on the screen and there it is. Yeah. Go, go watch it and, and listen to it and see what it, see what it has to say. Yeah. It's amazing. What do the right thing was saying what 30 years ago, you know, and yeah. that, that is exactly what's, I mean, it's what was playing out then, but now it's uh, what's what everyone is seeing full view playing out now. Right. There's, it's not just a one one person or one community's experience of what they see playing out around them. Like it really is. Prophetic. It's amazing and it's excruciating. Yes, that you could watch three or four Spike Lee movies over the career from Do the Right Thing to now, and they would all have that material. Yeah, it just as urgent, amazing. just as stark. You know, Martin versus Malcolm, how how do we respond? Because it's the same uh, evil. It's the same thing every time that they're up against. Like Black Klansman and The Five Bloods, like, make me afraid for 2050, you know? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, he, he's so ahead with everything that he's saying in ways that his current right. viewership don't can't understand at the time. And so many, you know, like so many white people on Facebook right now are saying, I had no idea. You know, I wasn't listening. I, I, my eyes are open. Like, yeah, we've had Spike Lee is just one example of where it has been spelled out and laid out for us uh, as long as my lifetime. Yeah. Just about. And yet it's also fun. It's also colorful and, uh, you know, in the cinematography and in the dialogue, like it's, it's fun to watch this movie. It's not like a, 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 a preachy long war movie. There's a very interesting dynamic between these guys. And uh, sometimes it feels like a heist movie. Sometimes it doesn't feel like you're watching a supercharged, you know, movie about race and politics. And then all of a sudden it'll take a turn and you'll, it'll smack you in the face and you'll remember, Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. Is that everything, Dan? Did we do it? We did it. We got, we got 40 minutes of material. Oh, look at that. This has been our podcast. (laughs) We've been, we've been Dan and Josh. Thanks for listening. You can follow us both on Twitter and Letterboxd. 
show is at holds up pod on Twitter. Our music as always is by Jonah Rapino and we will catch you next time. See you. Bye.